God will be speaking to us through the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, verses 22 through 31. Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, verses 22 through 31. When you have it, please say amen. Quick. And it reads, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost! And they cried out for fear. But immediately... Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? May God bless the readers, hearers, and doers of his holy and divine word. Amen. I am on, I'm I'm off mute now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do love you so much, God. We we desperately want to hear your voice this morning. Will you please speak to us, Lord God, that which we need that will transform our lives and make us more in the likeness of your son, Jesus Christ. Father, I am standing here today. I realize, Lord God, that without you, I can do nothing. So I ask for a fresh anointing, a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I pray, God, that even as I prepare to bring about this word that deals with dwelling places and the places that our minds dwell, God, I pray that you would infuse wisdom and infuse focus and attention in the life of the hearer, that when they hear and what they hear this morning, Lord God, will take root and it will bring forth fruit unto everlasting life. We love you and we praise you. And all God's people said amen. 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 You may be seated in the Lord's presence. Good morning to each and every one of you. I am so glad about uh, what God has to share with us this morning. It's an interesting thing, but I had originally, I planned to make this kind of a one uh, one sermon stop. And uh, as usual... You know, the Lord spoke to me. He said that I left some business unfinished. And so last week we had uh, began a series, and I'm just going to call it Choices. Amen. And, and I began that last week, and I, I asked the question at the onset of that message, how many of you have some serious decisions to make or some important decisions to make? And I think almost everybody in the room raised their hand. We're all in the decision-making process. And so what we did last week, if you didn't get the message, you can go online as usual and you can download it. 
But what we gave was practical instruction, practical instruction that relate to uh, wisdom, uh, walking in wisdom, and making far better choices. But another key component to that is that if we're going to make wise decisions, it just cannot be about just trying to do the right thing, but we also need to address the issues of our heart and what we think about, what we meditate on, what we dwell on. Everybody say dwell. <clears throat> Title of this message is Dwelling Places. One of the things that happens as a new Christian, and, and some of us, unfortunately, sometimes being in the Lord for a while, is we put a lot of emphasis on the external. And what I, what I mean when I say external is that, that we try real hard to present a certain image out front that is acceptable to our fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord. And the problem with that sometimes is that we do that, but then we let our heart and our thoughts run amok. And so we're going to go a little bit deeper this morning because you cannot make wise decisions unless you have a, a, a framework in which you are contemplating, thinking about, staying focused on what it is that the Lord wants for your life. So you cannot divorce practical decision making from your intellectual reasoning and what you allow to put into your heart. And how many know that there are so many images out there today that is fighting for your attention? There is a worldview. When I mean worldview, I'm talking about a view that is outside of the word of God. There is a view and, 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 and that, that there's this constant struggle. How I many you know what I'm talking about? There's a struggle between you, the world, the flesh, and what you see out there, what you deal with on the job, what you see on the television screen, what you see when you're riding in your car down the road. There's images popping out at you all the time. How many know what I'm talking about? Even on the bus, there are things calling out to you. When you go inside the grocery store, there's, there, there's a message, there's an ideology that this world is pushing. And you're in constant conflict with that. And it's fighting for the affections of your heart, the affections of your mind. And, and, let me, and let me hasten to say this, that whatever you think about, whatever you meditate on, ultimately is going to determine how you live your life and how you make decisions. It's so important that you understand that because many people don't get it. You got, to, you got to watch out what you allow to come inside of your heart. Watch out with what you allow to come inside of your spirit. Colossians 3. Uh, matter of fact, go ahead and turn there. I wasn't in my notes, but uh, I apologize. Uh, but turn to uh, Colossians chapter 3. And I, when I said I apologize, I apologize to the folks over to my left who didn't have that scripture. But they're supposed to be like so super duper professional that they can pull it up on an instant. Amen? Amen. <laughs> I'm putting a little... Put it on the spot. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1. You get there, say amen. amen. If you then, or if then you were raised with Christ, how many of you was, was raised with Christ? Amen. All right. Seek those things which are what? Above. Y'all there? I want, I want y'all to help me preach this morning. I know, I know y'all didn't get much sleep, but look, get excited about the word. Amen. God's about to bless you now. You're going to get... Amen. This is life changing. He says, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. So he's telling you where to set your mind. Right? Set your mind, verse 2, on things above, 
Now listen to that. That is, that is big. Set your mind on things above. Now that don't mean that you're so heavenly minded that you know earthly good. You follow what I'm saying? You, you ever meet, meet people like that? That you can't even have a normal conversation with you because they're just on another level. How many know we need to be able to minister and talk to people? But when he talked about setting your mind. He's saying set your affections. In other words, the thing that drives your decision making, the, the lens through which you make decisions are, is, is filtered through your relationship, your love, and the will of God for your life. If something is wrong in your life, one of the areas that you got to check is, is, watch this, if, if you're having troubles spiritually sometimes, maybe you may be disturbed in your emotions, disturbed in your spirit, but if that ever happens, one of the things you need to go back and ask yourself is, what is it that I'm spending my time thinking about? What am I thinking about most of the time? What am I watching? How many know if you watch a lot of Jerry Springer, how many know it, it will affect you? Now, some people, oh, no, it's not. I'm, I'm telling you, it's true. Because even if you don't really believe something, if you keep feeding yourself with it long enough, you will start believing it. I mean, there are things today that our country is doing that we thought 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, no way. But how many know, but they desensitize you, you keep seeing it, it's okay, it's okay. And before long, you're saying, wait a minute, I used to have that position, but I don't have that position no more. Because you've been feeding off of it. You've been feeding off of it. And, and, and the world is constantly pumping this stuff into you. And, and you got to start with this. You got to start with, okay, if I'm going to make wise decisions, I got to commit. I got to commit to setting my thoughts and my affections. So that deals with now, they deal with the deeper issues. Not just what you do, but what you think about. Because what you think about is really who you are. Not what you want everybody else to see. Somebody say amen. But it, it, it's who you are. And so Jesus, turn with, look at Luke chapter 6, verses 43 through 45. We'll come back to our foundation of text in a moment. Luke chapter 6, verses 43 through 45. I want to make two statements as you turn there. You will become or be influenced by whatever you dwell on. I'm going to give you some scripture reason behind that because there's, a, there's an attitude out there that suggests that somehow you can divorce that. Somehow you can divorce what you do well on and, and, and what you do. They're two different things. But we'll show you from the word of God that they're really the same thing. Okay? Second statement I want to make is whatever, whenever we look away from Jesus, whatever we're focused on, see, when we look away from Jesus, the result is you're going to sink. Hence, the verse that we read a moment ago as our foundational text. So we're going to do a little bit of teaching this morning. Is that okay? So get your pencil. Get ready to write. We're going to teach you a little bit this morning. So, now Jesus, now where, where are we? We're in Luke chapter 6. Okay, I told y'all to turn to Luke chapter 6. And Pastor didn't go to Luke chapter 6. But I'm there now. Luke chapter 6, verses 43 through 45. You there? Say amen. amen. I should be getting a hearty amen from everybody. Y'all, I'm excited this morning, all right? All right, it says now, this is Jesus talking. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, all right? Nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own what? Fruit. 
For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. So Jesus is drawing a correlation there between the tree, watch this, and your heart. So if a tree is a good tree, then that tree is going to produce good fruit. How many of you have ever eaten rotten fruit? Have you ever seen a tree? Nothing more dissatisfying to me. I grew up in the country. And uh, I grew up, when I say country, I grew up in the country. And uh, we used to have apple trees, peach trees, all kind of trees. And, and that's how, I mean, I would get out in the daytime. We would start playing, us kids, and we would get out there and we would play. I wouldn't come home to, to supper because I would eat all day long off the tree, just like it was in the days of Adam and Eve. I was living just like that. And, uh, and I used to eat some stuff I shouldn't eat too, leaves, sticks. I ate all that stuff coming up. But, you know, as a young kid, that, that's just me. That's probably what I am now. But, 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 but understand, so, so when the tree is rotten or when the fruit is rotten, it's, a, it's an indication that something is wrong with that tree. Jesus is drawing a correlation there now with your heart. See, now look at your heart. He's saying that if you want to have a good heart, now, we talk about good heart for purposes of this message. We're talking about a heart that is based in, that has embraced, that is walking with and according to the principles of the word of God. Because we come to understand that God determines what is good. That was your chance to say amen. God determines what is good. And so when we talk about what's good, we're talking about what's good in the eyes of God. How many of you want to please God? So he said, if you want to bear good fruit, if you want to make the best possible decisions in your life, here's what he's saying. He, he's, he's saying, here's what you got to do. If you want to make the, the best possible decisions in your life, it, you, you need to guard your heart. He said, because the heart, going back to this analogy, the heart is like that tree. If you're going to bear good fruit as a Christian and make good decisions, you got to guard what you put in your heart. What's evil? Now, I know. Now, some of us, now, I know I'm going to pick on you a little bit. You know, a good pastor will pick on you every now and then. He ain't a good pastor, he don't pick on you. If a pastor don't make you mad sometimes, he ain't a good pastor. Trust me. If you, if, you're, if you go to church and your pastor always make you happy all the time and everything, you love everything, you're doing something wrong. Every now and then, your pastor's going to step on your toes. I'm about to step on your toes. So, so that's a heads up. So, so you got to watch. Now, think about it. They say now. Now, here's what they say. Because now we, we, we got to go with what the word. I mean, no, the world has a way in which they say and do things. And we have a way in which we do things. We have a Christian worldview. A Christian worldview. That means our, our worldview is filtered through the word of God. That's how we look at the world. We don't look at the world through nothing else. If I want to know what to do in every situation, I, all I need to do is go to the word. Because the word is going to tell me how am I supposed to do it. I have a Christian worldview. So one of the things that they said, okay, they said, okay, man, you know, you can, you can just, you, I had one guy one time, I was working out with him, and he said to me, he, he was like, Pastor, and, and I've been trying to get him, praying for his brother, trying to get him to church for years, and he won't come. But he said, you know, he said, man, there was somebody trying to tell me, man, that, that, that I shouldn't listen to this kind of music I'm listening to. He was listening to some rap music. Now, all rap music ain't sin. Now, some of you guys scared. I ain't, ain't got no, ain't no wrong rap music. Some of you are like, oh, Pat, here you go. I told him we'll pick at you a little bit. But the, the words and what was being promoted was against the kingdom. 
It's okay if you rap, but what is this song saying? And he said, but I, he said, here's what he says to me. He says to me that I can listen to that and it has no effect on me. Wrong. You keep feeding your mind with that stuff. Let me tell you, according to the word of God, it's going to mess you up. When, when, I grew up, when I grew up in the country, I like to say the country. When I grew up in the country, we used to have, <clears throat> it was this song, and I remember as a kid. And, and these are the people I went to church with, okay? And they used to have this song that every time this song came on, I just remember all my relatives, woo, just jumping up, woo. They were married, and they had a kid, and all this going to church. And you know what the song was? Some of y'all know what this is. The song was that song, uh, Me and Mrs. Jones. How many of you ever heard of that? Me and Mrs. Jones, Mrs. Jones, Mrs. Jones, Mrs. Jones, we got a thing going on. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It was about somebody having an affair with somebody's wife. And I remember everybody, all the white people, they left us leaving church singing, Mrs. Jones. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. I want no theologian at that time, but I knew that won't write. Now, but pastor, I just like the beat. Get a different beat. Find a song that promotes something that'll give you a good beat. It's out there. All right. <laughs> Did I make anybody upset? Okay, let me, let me pick on you some more. All right. Some of you love your video games. Now, I, I'm not a video game wonky, okay? I'm not, that's not my, that's not my thing. And I, there was a time when I played NFL football because I love sports. And I remember... Uh, playing a little bit of NFL football on the video game downstairs in my basement, and, and I literally, I thought I played five minutes. And when I went and looked at the clock, six hours had passed by. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> what, did, what just happened? I mean, God. Let me tell you something. If you think parents, if you think that you can sit there and let your kids watch people day in for hours, chop each other's head off, stick knives in their chest, then they got one called Grand Theft Auto. I mean, selling this stuff. And it desensitize, you're sitting there all day long. You're playing that stuff. And you, know, and you think that that won't have an effect on your heart? You think that that won't get into your psyche? Do you think that has no effect on you? You are getting yourself. The number one movies that are being that, that, that people love to watch today on the big screen, you know what they are? They're the horror movies. They're the movies that deal with killing, murder, right? Immorality of all kinds. That's, what, that's what's promoted, and that's what people love. And is there any wonder why our society is messed up, why our moral fight, and we're trying to act like it ain't no problem, but how many know there's no counsel, there's no wisdom against the knowledge of God? We said that last week. Now, let me give you a couple of verses to help you because some of you still don't believe me. I'm looking at some of you because some of you are mad right now. Oh, you get mad all you want to, but you know I'm telling the truth. Amen? You know I'm telling the truth. Look at this. Now, he says, Jesus said this. Watch this. Um, and, and, well, let's look at uh, Proverbs. You don't have to turn there, but just, just write this down. Proverbs 4.23. It says, keep your heart. Or some version says, guard your heart. With all diligence. In other words, do everything you can. I mean, be precise about it. I mean, be strong about it. I mean, give attention. He said, guard your heart. Guard it. Watch over it. For out of it springs the issues of life, right? So he says, guard your heart because out of your heart 
springs. In other words, you're going to make decisions based upon what's in your heart. That's why he said guard it. And going back to our verse in Luke chapter 6, verse uh, uh, 45, Jesus says a good man out of a good treasure of his heart brings forth good, good, and an evil man out of the treasure of his heart brings forth evil. Now watch this. This is what Jesus said. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth does what? Speaks. So whatever is filling your heart, that's what you're going to do. Oh, I don't really believe it. Well, you don't believe the word. He says in Proverbs 25, 28, he says, whoever has no rule over his spirit is like a broken down, I'm sorry, it's like a city broken down and without walls. I mean, no, can you imagine? Imagine with me for a moment if the United States of America, our great country, suddenly the President Obama said, okay, we're not going to have any more military. We're not going to defend the borders. We're just going to leave it wide open. How many know it will be chaos? I mean, they will be coming over here, man. I mean, the terrorists would be like, oh, it's Christmas. Every day it's Christmas. They'd be running over here trying to do some damage. Because you have no defense. See, when you don't guard your spirit, when you let anything in and out of your spirit, you have no defense. You're like a broken city. And the devil will come in there and play and run roughshod with you. You got to guard what you let in your heart. You got to guard who you listen to. You got to guard what you watch on TV. If they're promoting, look, don't let a movie be forbidden just because it has cussing in it. And just, you also need to look at what is the ideology behind what they're saying. Y'all ain't helping me this morning. You need to look at, is, is, is this movie, is it glorifying that which God says is evil? If it is, I don't want it. Gosh. See, now we're talking about a pure heart. Jesus says this. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The pure. How many want to see God? Amen. So the pure card means a clean heart. I, I want my heart to be pure. I don't want my spirit to be infused with stuff that have me thinking stinky, stinky thinking. So I want to guard my heart. I don't want to let anything in there. Amen? Okay. So let's keep going. Proverbs 23 7 says this. You can write this down. Proverbs 23, 7. For as a man thinks in his heart, wow, so is he. Do y'all need any more convincing? Jesus, the Bible says, Proverbs, God says, as a man thinketh in his heart. He didn't say, as a man do what he do. He says, as a man thinketh in his what? Heart. So is he. Your heart, some of you like saying, oh, God, my heart. You, yeah, you got to start. You got to let the Lord in, let him operate. I mean, we're going to perform some major surgery up in here today. But you're going to be, but we're going to clean them arteries up. You're going to be good to go. <laughs> some of y'all like, come on, stay with me. We're going to help you, okay? Now, let's go to our foundation text in Matthew chapter 14, verses 28 through 31. Matthew chapter 24. Now, this is our, this is our foundation text. So, so now. Um, so here's Peter. Peter is sitting in a boat with the rest of the disciples. Uh, Jesus uh, is walking on water. I mean, that would be nice to see that, right? Jesus. I mean, that just, he's awesome, and he? He's powerful. He just walk on water. 
Everybody else just sing. He just walk. He ain't got to swim. Why why swim? You can walk on it, baby. Jesus walk on water. I, I like that. He just walk. He just having a little walk on water. So so all of them see. And Peter, the bold one in the boat, the one that people like to talk about. Peter was this and Peter was that. But let me tell you something. I follow Peter any day. Peter was Peter Peter was rambunctious. Peter would at least take a chance. He said Jesus. Because I don't know if I would have been that courageous and say, Lord, let me, let me come out there. I don't know. I probably would say, I don't know if I can pull that one off. Peter said, Lord, if it's you, if that's who I think it is, bid me come. In other words, Lord, let me come and walk on the water. And the Bible said, the old boy Peter was walking on water. Peter was walking on water, defying the odds, defying nature. But then something strange happened. So I need, some, I, need, I need a couple of volunteers. Uh, Brother Jacobs, come on up. I want you to stand right here with your Bible. Come on, run over here. And I need somebody who's going to be evil for me. I need a couple of evil <laughs> acting people. <laughs> uh, hallelujah. I got, I got a draft. Uh, I got a draft. Come on, Stephen. They were there fight. Come on, Brother Stephen. Come on. <laughs> come on. Come on, Brother Stephen. Now, I want, I want you to stay right there. Now, I want you to stay right there with your Bible. Now, you're going to be you're going to be like Jesus, okay? I know this, this is tough, y'all. This is the best I can do, okay? <laughs> uh, you, you know, you know. All right. And so now, you're going to represent something evil, okay? Now, I, want, now I need to set this up. So, so Peter says, Peter says, okay, Lord. Bid me come. So Peter starts walking on the water. Peter is doing great. Life is good. I mean, he's just walking with the Lord. I mean, he's keeping his eyes on Jesus. All of a sudden, the waves came. Jeremiah, be a wave. And Peter, and Peter then, now he's walking. I want you to see the picture. He's doing fine. He's walking. But all of a sudden, he hears, he sees the waves. It's like, and he looks over. And he looks over at the wave, and suddenly, the man who was walking on water now, he gets distracted. And his focus now, okay, wave, you can stop. And his focus now is no longer on Jesus. His focus now is on the waves. Y'all stay with me. Y'all stay with me. He was doing fine. He was walking on it. He was doing it. And soon as the wave, then the wave man changed the whole way that he thought at this point. Because now, instead of looking at the wave and saying whatever and kept going, look, he stopped and just eyes got big and said, oh, my God, this is going to take me under. And he began to focus on it. And guess what happened when he focused on the waves? He started to sink. But when did he sink? When he took his eyes off Jesus. When were you sinking your walk with God? When you take your eyes off Jesus. Now, say, say for example, stand right here, brother. Stand right here, right here. So let's just say I'm, I'm, I'm walking. Uh, I need another evil person. Uh, uh, Sydney, come on up. Come on up, Sydney. Come on, Sydney. Come on up. Come on up, Sydney. Come on. Hurry, hurry up, man. You, you're holding up my sermon. Come on, run up here. <laughs> All right. So now, you're going to be lust and you're going to be unforgiveness. All right? Now, so when you see me, I want you to face me. Now, when you see me walk by, I want you all to call out to me. Okay? All right? Now, I want you to tell me, come. When you get ready, I'm coming. I'm talking to him. 
when you get ready, when I come your way, I want you to call out what I call you. You know what I called you? All right. You know what I called you, Brother Stephen? All right. So now, you ready? Now, I want you to bid me come. Okay. So here I'm walking. Life is good. Got my eyes on Jesus. What? What you want? What you, what you, what you want? Forgiveness. Yeah, I am pretty upset about that. Uh, hold on, Jesus. I'm mad about what they did to me. And, and you know, I'm going to get them back. You know? And, and by the way, lust, you know, uh, my wife ain't been responding to me in the way. It ain't been going too well lately. We've been in a lot. Hold on for a second, Jesus. We've been in a lot of arguments. Well, what's the it, it, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I don't, I mean, you know, I think you got a point. I might need to consider this. Now, what's happening there? Now, I was doing fine, but here's what I want you to see. When I focus on lust, I'm just using some things, unforgiveness, hate, anger, then at that very moment, I'm taking my eyes off of Jesus. And when I take my eyes off of Jesus, what happens? I'm sinking. See? People struggle because here's what they do. They keep thinking and keep their focus on the thing that they're upset about or the thing that the enemy is trying to pull them toward. So, so if you got a problem with unforgiveness, if you got a problem with revenge, I'm going to get them back. And how many know, when you, thank, I'm going to give them a hand. Thank you. Look, thank you very much. How many know that, that if you got a problem, for an example, with unforgiveness, and that's all you think about is how to get them back. And every time you see them, it's like, how many know at that moment you stop looking at Jesus? Because now you've taken matters into your own hands. i got to get you back. See, and, 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 and lust, the enemy comes. Oh, and, and how many know it's always, lust is always calling. Come on, men, say amen. amen. It's always calling. Women too, y'all say amen too. Amen. It's always calling. Always. So if we turn and for a moment, if we focus on that for a moment, then what happens is we're taking our eyes off of Jesus. And then that's when we start to sink. I.e., whatever you focus on is going to determine the decision-making process in your life. So I ask you again, what are you thinking about? Is, is part of the reason why you may be struggling is because your thoughts are not where they should be. Mm. So we got to change the way we think. Philippians 4, 6, 4, 8 says this. Write this down. Finally, brethren... Whatever things are true, mm, that means not falsehood. See? This is interesting because Paul is giving you a mindset and the way you need to think. He said, whatever things are noble, that means morally attractive. Whatever things are just, that means righteous in the sight of God and in the sight of man. Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, things that improve the quality of your life. Whatever things are of a good reputation, if there is any virtue, if there is any praise, he said what? Think on these things. Because what you're thinking about, it, it, you know, it, it, it's, going, it's going to have an effect on your life. 
Now, look at, the, in closing, look at, a, we got a couple verses. Look at, um, we're almost done. Look at uh, 2 Samuel chapter number 11. How many of you have heard of the story of David? I told you earlier I love David. He was a warrior, but David had a problem. Now, I want, I want to illustrate the point here. So, here David now, watch this. David, a man of God. The Bible even says that David is a man after God's own heart. Now, when, you, when I read this passage, you're going to wonder how God say that. How, how can he say that concerning David? Because up until this point in 2 Samuel chapter 11, David walked with God for years. And let me tell you something. He walked impeccably with God. In fact, I remember when I first started reading the story of David, when I first started reading my Bible, I used to look at 2 Samuel chapter 11 and say, what happened to David? Did he like go crazy? Because everything up to that point, he was a man of integrity. When Saul was trying to kill him, he wouldn't touch Saul. He made sure to treat everybody justly and fairly. David was a man who was sensitive to the spirit of God, and he walked with God for years, was doing well. Which is to say, from some of you older Christians, you are not exempt from this. Amen. Let me tell you something. You can walk with God for years, and you take your eyes off him for one moment, you sink too. Amen. And it's happened to many great men and women of faith. If you go back and read the story in Judges about... Uh, uh, what's the guy's name, the muscle guy? Samson. Samson, for an example. The Bible says, many people don't get this, but the Bible says Samson judged Israel for 20 years. And then he started going after the prostitute. So there were some years when he was walking with God, serving the purposes of God. And in a moment, took his eyes off of Jesus, and he went berserk. It can happen to everyone. See, it makes me tremble. Because it keeps me humble because I can't ever think that I'm at a level that, 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 that it can't get me. I've been saved for 22 years, and I know that if I take my eyes off Jesus for one moment, I can sink. I can flop down, and I can go right back. And if you don't think that you can happen, that it can happen to you, you got too much pride. You better humble yourself. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 11. So it happened in the spring of the year at a time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab his servant with him, and all Israel, they destroyed the people of Amnon and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed. Now one evening, I want you to hear this. David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing. All right, men, what should he have done when he saw that woman bathing? Mm -hmm. What do you do when you see that woman? Ladies, what do you do when you see Mr. Atlas and you married and got a husband at home? Oh, I told you I'm picking on y'all a little bit. And, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. She looked good. Isn't that how the enemy works? The enemy was going to appeal to what you like. You may not have a problem in one area, in this one area, uh, but you have a problem in some other area, and the enemy is going to come and appeal to what it is that you like. What gets you? And how many know he does a little bit of homework on you? Uh, so David sent and inquired about the woman. So David, now he, he, he's in it now. He sent and inquired about the woman and said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sent messages and looked at her, and she came to him, and, she lay, and he lay with her, for she was cleansed from her impurity, and she returned to her house. And the woman conceived. Everybody say, oh, oh. So she sent and told David and said, I'm with child. Y'all say, oh, oh, again. Uh -oh. 
Then, <laughs> then David sent to Joab saying, send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah the Hittite to David. Now, now I, I, can't, I can't read all of this, but so here's, here's a man of God, a man after, this is a strong, how many know that David was a strong man of God? And all of a sudden, David took his eyes off Jesus. It's like David is somebody you don't even know. Have you ever, have you ever heard of stories like that? Men, great men of faith, even in our generation. They're preaching the word of God. And they're doing good on the surface. But then all of a sudden, you pull by the cover. There's this whole nother life. It's like, oh, whoa, dude, what, what's that? Because you take your eyes off of Jesus. That's exactly what David did. He took his eyes off of Jesus, he saw, he, off the Lord. He, he, he saw this woman. He lusted after her. And then when he didn't, to make matters worse, he, he did it some, some deep sin. Because one bad decision beget another bad decision. So what does he do? He lies. He, 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 he has basically her husband put on the front line, so he's abusing his power, so that uh, Uriah could be killed, so he could have Bathsheba his wife. He deceived. He lied. He manipulated. Because now he's, he's deep into it. I, I got to clean it up now. I got to clean it up. I got to clean it up. Boy, it's gotten really, really bad now because one bad decision after another bad decision. And here David now is in a situation now where a man who was up here, suddenly he finds himself knocked down really, really low. How did he get there? He just took his eyes off the Lord. He focused on something that he shouldn't have been focusing on. I, want, I keep asking this question. What are you focusing on? You know what David's judgment was? Look at this. Look at David's judgment. David's judgment was in, the, I think it's in 2 Samuel. Look at this, 2 Samuel chapter 12, the next chapter over. Um, God sends a prophet to him. And the prophet speaking prophetically on behalf of God says to David, I gave you your master's house, your master's wives, you keeping, and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that hadn't been too little, I would have given you much more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite. How many know you can't get away with anything with God? You have taken his wife to be your wife. You have killed with the sword and of the people of Ammon. Therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up adversary against you and from your own house. I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. And he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun. For you did it secretly. But I will do this thing before all of Israel and before the sun. I mean, no, that's a that's a tough judgment. You know what happened with David? David had incest in his family. His kids were murdering each other. Uh, David's own son tried to kill him. David, his whole family was messed up. You know why it was messed up? Because David made a decision and he focused on something that he shouldn't have been focusing on. That thing with Bathsheba cost him his family. Now, God still had grace. But how many know that when you walk away from God, there's a penalty to pay? You, you remember uh, Job, for an example. Job, uh, God said concerning Job to say, he said, have you considered my servant Job? And you know what Satan said? Yeah, I considered him. In fact, I've been trying to get to him. But you got a hedge around him. You won't let me get Job. I want to get him. I, I want to tear his stuff up. But God, you need to get away so I can get to him. 
Because, see, when you walk with God, there's grace. It's not that God goes and afflicts these things on you. It is that God would move his hand of grace. And how many know when God's, when God's hand of grace gets moved back or get scaled back some, how many know that's, that's, that's bad? It just goes to show you how the enemy will just come in. And, and, so, and so here David, David lost his focus, did not, and, and, and for, for many years, walk with God, and suddenly he lost it. It ought to put fear in all of our hearts, fear in all of us. The man, I got to guard my heart. I got to watch what I'm looking at. I can't do anything that I know that's going to lead me outside of the will of God. Finally, last verse and we're done. Uh, look at um, Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And, this, and it sums it up so perfectly for all of us. says, therefore, and this is verse number one, we also, since we are surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of God, right hand of the throne of God. First part of that verse says, looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. When I'm looking unto Jesus, I have fully embraced a Christian worldview that is based on the word of God. When I'm looking unto Jesus, all of my decisions in life are filtered through what God says, guided by his Holy Spirit. When I'm looking unto Jesus, I understand that he is the author and the finisher of my faith, and I am to give to him full control of my life. Not part control. Give him full control. Just give it up. He's the author and finisher. Give it up. Give up everything and anything that does not glorify God. I want everybody in this church, I want you, listen to me, I want you to spread the word. Go back and do inventory. Think about what you see on TV. Think about your music that you're listening to. Think about the conversation that you're having with people. Think about who you're getting your counsel from. Amen? Amen. Because that stuff will affect you. Junk in, junk out. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Thank you, Lord. You listen this morning to this word and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, we want to start right there. None of this really matters unless you know him. He died. He died a horrific death so that he can give you a pure heart and a new way of thinking. Perhaps you're sitting here today and you realize that my mind and my heart's been filled with things that are contrary to the way and the word of God. I've been filling my mind with stuff. And now I'm ready to turn my life over to Jesus. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of trying to live my own life. Hell is not a joke. Hell is real. The Bible says, supporting unto man wants to die and after death comes full bore judgment. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I plead with you, give your life to him today. Please give your life. Don't walk out of this room. Don't walk out of this church. Don't walk out of here today not assured of your salvation. You know if God is speaking to you. You know if you're not right and you're sitting here this morning. If that's you, you say, Pastor, 
I am not saved. I have not given my life over to Jesus. And I'm ready to do that today. I'm ready to make a choice for Jesus. He died for me, and I'm ready to respond. If that's you, slip your hand up. I just want to pray with you. If you don't know him, slip your hand up. Don't know him as your Lord and Savior. Amen. For you believers who are here this morning, this afternoon, whatever time it is, perhaps you've heard this message and you realize that you haven't checked your heart. You haven't checked your mind. And that you've been dwelling on things. Maybe you've been dwelling on unforgiveness. Maybe you have been dwelling on uh, hate. Maybe you have been dwelling on uh, things that you know that are contrary to the word of God and it has affected you. You can't focus. You can't pray like you should. You can't worship like you should because you have been consumed by this issue, this person, this thing. But I don't know who it is. I don't know what it is. But if that's you this morning, I want you to slip your hand up. We're not going to embarrass you. We just want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. I see, that. I see those hands. Is there another hand? Don't be ashamed. You, you know you've been filling your mind with stuff. You've been watching stuff, entertaining stuff that you know that is. I see that other hand. Come on. Is there another? Amen. I'm going to ask you who raise your hand. Just come up to the altar right in front of me. Just, just come right on up. Those who raise your hand, come on. Altar means a place of change. Amen. Amen. Is there another? Is there another? You see, the reason why we ask you to come up to the altar is not for show. But altar means change. You're making a public confession, not only, you're not making just a confession to God, but you're making it before your brothers and your sisters. And they're here because they need your prayers. And you're saying, Jesus, today I want to make a change. I'm going, to, I'm going to guard my heart. This is what we're saying this morning. We're going to guard our heart. We're going to watch what we've been looking at. We're going to watch our conversation. We're going to protect our spirits so we can protect the pureness and the holiness that God has placed on the inside of us. We're going to protect that so that our thoughts will be right, so that our focus will be where it needs to be, so that we won't be walking in bitterness and in hate or in lust or in whatever it is. Because you know what? That's not right. And, and so you have a responsibility. And you know it because the Holy Spirit, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to convict you. When there's something there that you're looking at, you're holding, thinking about, conversation that's not like God, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to convict you so that you would know. Uh, and I'm going to pray this, that it would be a strong conviction so that you would know. You won't be wondering, saying, Lord, I'm not really sure if I'd be. God's going to make it very precise to you. Amen. Let's slip your hand up and repeat after me. Lord Jesus. I confess to you and my brothers and sisters that I haven't always done right in the right of, in the way of my thinking and what I dwell on. Father God, forgive me. Make me whole. Change me from my heart, from deep within. Make me new. Give me wisdom, discernment, understand to know what is right. Convict me when I walk outside of your will so that I can make great decisions for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God a praise for them. Amen.